Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. I've got uh, no intentions in the inbox again. This is actually a follow-up if you listened to the one from earlier today that was supposed to be Monday's broadcast, and this is supposed to be Tuesday's broadcast, and hope I can get Wednesday's broadcast in as well and get them all done. But uh, today, uh, I, w- I have uh, an intention... Uh, I don't have any intentions in the inbox, but I've got an intention that I've been conveyed to me personally. Actually, two or three of them, and they're all the same, uh, which is family members that have gone out and have gotten various forms of this vaccine stuff, uh, which, since it doesn't actually get rid of the disease or fight the disease, it's not really a vaccine. A vaccine's supposed to immunize. I don't know what this thing is supposed to do. But I'm not going to comment at length on it. Uh, I understand the concerns. I share the concerns that a lot of people have that have uh, asked me to pray for them, and I'd like to pray for them. I've got uh, a gentleman whose grandmother has gotten it. I've got a woman whose father has gotten it. Uh, I've got uh, another uh, gentleman whose, uh, whose brother has gotten it. And all of these servants and, and handmaiden, handmaids of the Lord are placing themselves in danger. Uh, now, of course, it's not guaranteed, and certainly uh, the prayers are helpful to bring them out of that danger. But the real danger they're in is that, like so many people, they are uncritically... Uh, making decisions, or maybe they're critically making decisions, but they're making decisions from a worldly place. And it's very important that we, as Christians, beware of all of our worldly motivations. Not necessarily that we can't have them, or that motivations that are grounded in the world are evil, but that they often lead us to make decisions that are ultimately bad for us if we think from a strictly worldly standpoint. And in this day and age where we live, when we live, so much of what we do is driven strictly by secular and worldly concerns and nothing else. And that's a danger, a great danger, that we have to face and confront and deal with. We too often don't ever think about the spiritual consequences of what we do and that has very real that has a very real effect on our spiritual life in all of the arguments that I've heard put forward by people going out and getting this thing uh, it's been a matter of pure practicality I want to travel I don't have long to live anyway I want just I just want my life to to go on going on as it is. I have convenience that I have to concern myself with. It's almost always that. Uh, On occasion, it's the rare, well, it's a vaccine, and vaccine prevents disease. It's uh, a sort of, uh, almost an attribution of, uh, of, of miracle power, miraculous power to it. You know, I have this that will protect me. It's a superstition. It's a totem. It has a. It takes on a, a totemic quality. Uh, it prevents this evil spirit of the disease from touching me, uh, which is, to an extent, a true vaccine, a real immunization does do that. But uh, in the in the sense of a, uh, it's it's not a strictly perfect thing. None of them are. They're not supposed to be. At any rate, 
before I ramble into incoherency here, the main point is that all of these people need prayers, not just for their health, but for their spiritual well-being, for a conversion of heart that leads them to think more about the spiritual threats that they face in their lives than they think about the worldly inconveniences that this particular thing is supposed to relieve them of. And so I want to pray for all of them. I want to pray for their physical health. And more importantly, I want to pray for a reorientation of mind and conversion of heart in everyone who has been tempted to go and get this thing. Now, today is Tuesday, so we're going to pray in English today. Oh, and you know what? I almost forgot. If you have any special intentions, I've spent so much time talking about this one, I forgot to even mention how to write in an intention or get me to pray for for you. And I get me, I really mean to give me the opportunity uh, because I do value the intentions that are sent in here and everybody who writes in or everybody who speaks to me, they go on my daily rosary personally. So you've got me praying for you every single day in addition to the prayer that was and the intention that's offered on the uh, one broadcast. If you have any intentions, any questions, any comments, anything at all that you want me to see or read on air or off, you can write in to Daily Decade Requests at ProtonMail.com. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at ProtonMail.com. Now, as I was saying, today is a Tuesday, so we're going to pray in English today. Uh, uh, and uh, we'll be back in, in Latin tomorrow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, 
the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve, to thee do we send up our sighs, weeping and mourning from this veil of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us, and after this, our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O St. Peter Canisius, whose feast we keep this day, who brought enlightenment to the German people and all those whose eyes were darkened, by error, heresy, and attachment to this world, we ask for thy intercession, both for the physical health of those who have chosen to obtain this chemical, specifically for these two servants and one handmaid of the Lord, who have, by all accounts given, been faithful to God. We also ask that you open their eyes and the eyes of all who have been tempted by these chemicals, that they may seek health in the Lord, and that they may be driven in all their decisions of health, of money, of life in general, by the concerns and the things of God, and not by the things of man. We beg thy intercession before the throne of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, who liveth and reigneth with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in all our daily battles, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, 
have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, now my reflection today actually doesn't touch on the coronavirus or the vaccines or any of that stuff. Uh, it, uh, it has nothing to do with anything. It was a reflection that I had over the weekend. Uh, very much the same as the reflection from earlier, which was on the seven sorrows. This reflection likewise is on the rosary as I was praying it. Uh, it occurred to me, I had to pray the joyful mysteries yesterday, and that's when it actually struck me. Uh, so it's appropriate that it was going to be today's broadcast anyway. And that is on the joyful mysteries. Now, I have trouble, I freely confess, with the mysteries of the rosary. And the trouble comes at different times. I was once incredibly good with the sorrowful mysteries, and particularly affected by the scourging, the second sorrowful mystery. And that um, affection that I had for that particular mystery has now since left me. I haven't had the same feelings um, as I've been saying the rosary as I used to, and other things have latched on to other things instead. The way of the cross is one of them, and the joyful mysteries as well. For some reason, I always find myself dwelling very deeply on the visitation, uh, which was not the case when I started saying the rosary. So we go through these little seasons, and we pick up on different elements of the rosary. And one of the things that occurred to me as I was saying the joyful mysteries yesterday, and I was interrupted several times by my children while I was doing it, which normally that would be quite quite annoying, but it forced me to refocus myself. Now, I have very small, several very small children, and the result is that while it would be lovely to be able to do a family rosary, all of us together at once doing five or even 15 decades in a day, it's not practicable, as anyone who has small children will tell you. Uh, and so while I'm with my, uh, with my eldest, uh, we'll do rosaries together and all of our prayers together, but that's something of an exception. Anyway, I was saying the rosary and I had a lot of people interrupting me. And the fact that I had to force myself to focus in so hard and to regain my traction as things, as I started to slip, the wheels started to spin because of the interruptions, it, uh, what I ended up doing was I ended up doing reflections on multiple mysteries at once. Not because I was trying to get it all done at once, but rather because I often forgot which mystery I was supposed to be reflecting upon. And uh, the result of that was I started to see connections where I had not before. And the joyful mysteries, and I'm hoping that this reflection will help you in reflecting on the joyful mysteries and meditating on them as you're saying the rosary. Now, for those of you who I, I've recently become aware, there are several people who listen to this that don't say a rosary regularly, don't have regular um, a, a real background to understand how the rosary is to be said. Uh, the joyful mysteries are, and for those of you who are dedicated ro daily prayers of the rosary, bear with me while I help out those that need to be familiarized with it. The joyful mysteries are the annunciation to, our, to the Blessed Mother, the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary to her cousin Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, 
the nativity of our Lord, the presentation or purification in the temple, and the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Now you'll notice there's some overlap there with the seven sorrows. The prophecy of Simeon is the sorrowful side of the coin of the presentation, the joyful side. And the finding of the child Jesus is the joyful side of the coin of the loss of the child Jesus for three days. And of course, the loss is an endurance of that loss over three days. The finding is the reward at the end of that endurance. So each of these mysteries has a perspective that's tied to it. It's not often that we get to reflect on, usually when we're reflecting on these mysteries, especially the joyful ones, we have a tendency, or at least I have a tendency, to get focused very much on the Blessed Mother and on what's going through her mind, what's going on in her soul, what she's experiencing. But she's not the only person, and our Blessed Lord is not the only person in any one of these mysteries. The uh, Annunciation, it is her and the Archangel Gabriel. Gabriel himself is fulfilling the will of God at that point, and so his service of the will of God, and his service, which is an act of humility, is incredibly important here because he's, he's humbling himself. He's going to a human being and announcing this great miracle. Likewise with the visitation, Elizabeth is present, etc., etc., what each of these mysteries represents to different people is a theophany, a revelation of God, the revealing of the presence of God and the Godhead to each of these people. At the Annunciation, our Blessed Mother receives a theophany. She receives in her womb at that moment the body, the physical body of our Blessed Lord as, a, as an embryo, as part of the normal process whereby uh, a human being uh, takes on all of the necessary physical accoutrements to be a functioning body, physical body. All, uh, we know that all of that begins with the conception of the, of the baby. So she has a theophany, a physical the physical presence of the of the child Jesus within her. Saint Elizabeth has a theophany when the Blessed Virgin goes to visit her. And she says so. From the moment thy voice reached my ears, the babe within me jumped for joy. And at that moment is of course the child the infant Jesus in the womb is cleansing the infant John in the womb. He is purifying him and making him and calling him, making him worthy to be his prophet and the forerunner of the Christ, of the Messiah, to announce the Messiah. And so you have the 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 infant uh, or the the I almost I don't like to use the word because it has a dehumanizing quality to it, but the fetal the fetal Christ and the fetal John the Baptist are having an exchange. And this theophany is a theophany to John the Baptist. It's his first theophany. The presence of God is revealed to him, and he leaps for joy within his mother's womb. Then, of course, there's the nativity, which is itself a revealing of Christ to the, uh, uh, to the, the magi. It's a revealing of Christ to 
uh, St. Joseph, to all who come to adore the babe, the, the infant Jesus, there in the, uh, in the manger. You have the theophany of the Messiah brought to the prophetess uh, Hannah and the uh, prophet St. Simeon, uh, who in the East is referred to as St. Simeon the God-seer. This is the promise fulfilled that, the, that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And at last, God reveals himself with his wisdom to the high priests and the scribes at the temple as a child teaching them. And this is an important point because this is a point of punishment. Because we know from scripture that when God says he will punish the people, he says, I will send a child and women and, and a children to be their rulers. And to be taught by a child, a deeply humbling experience, is a humiliation, deep humiliation, for these so-called learned high priests. And for that reason, this last theophany is a theophany to the leadership of the Jewish people, and in the same way that the theophany of St. Simeon is a different theophany to the Jewish people. You have two options. It's, it's sort of the, the which way Jewish man thing. And, of course, we know which way the Jews chose in the end. But God gives them the opportunity. He gives, he gives everyone the opportunity to behold him and to embrace him. And who chooses to embrace him is the real lesson that resides behind this, uh, all of these theophanies. And how each reacts to the theophany that they receive tells you a lot about who it is that they, that they are, that they're intended to be by God. Now God begins with a very localized theophany when he reveals himself to the Blessed Mother and to John the Baptist. That's specific to his prophets and his, I mean, the Blessed Virgin Mary is not a prophet per se, but she serves a similar role in her place as handmaiden of the Lord to the ancient prophets, bringing the word of God, in this case, literally the word of God in flesh, to his people. And St. John the Baptist does the same. It's, he has a very similar role to play. It's not as deep, it's not as intrinsic, it's not as thorough as our Blessed Mother, but our Blessed Mother experiences the martyrdom of Christ in the same way that St. John the Baptist experiences martyrdom. And then, from these two sources that are meant to bring God into the world in different ways, to bring him into the world and then to announce his coming, he reveals himself to the whole world in the Nativity. And that's to all the Gentile nations as well, for there those that came to behold Christ were not merely uh, of the ancient Hebrew people, but also the Magi of the East, uh, who brought with them the gifts of the Gentile nations and the acceptance of the whole world and the acceptance of the whole world by the whole world of God and in turn the acceptance of the whole world by God. This expansion outward, the age of the Israelites being the light of God, being the, the light among the nations, is gone. It is over at that point. And he gives his people one last chance in the, in the latter two theophanies. The theophany of St. Simeon the God-seer 
in which he says, and, the, and here Simeon stands in for the whole Jewish people, because it is said that he will not allow him to perish until he has beheld the Messiah. And so he promises him that this will, this will come to pass. And St. Simeon ex receives the Messiah, recognizes him immediately, and joyfully departs, awaiting the work of the Messiah to open up heaven. And then he brings it to the Jewish people as represented by the scribes and Pharisees. And they're all amazed. But, just as they would be later, their amazement does not penetrate the senses. It is merely a sensory and a purely rational amazement at the knowledge of this boy, a simple Hebrew boy, a Jewish boy, uh, in that he was born in Judea. But that's all it is. It's never anything beyond that. St. Simeon looks at the baby and sees immediately, this is the Son of God. Immediately, this is the Messiah. I, the promise that has been given to me has been fulfilled. Lord, let us now thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have beheld the glory of thy salvation. But Christ goes and he teaches the scribes and Pharisees, and they don't see him. As a baby, unable to say anything, he's recognized immediately by St. Simeon, and there among the scribes and Pharisees. And St. Simeon, that's another thing. St. Simeon the prophet is, his place is, he, he doesn't have an official place in the temple. He doesn't serve an official role. He's just an old man who sits there and begs. But to the scribes and to the Pharisees and to the high priests who have positions, who have authority, he reveals himself to them and they see nothing. They see a gifted child and nothing more. And that is exactly the two different kinds of people that receive Christ. Those who receive him as their savior and those who receive him merely as a great teacher. He was a great man. Those who look upon the face of Christ and see God and the mercy of God and those who look upon the face of Christ and see merely a great teacher of religious truths. And so we have a choice. We have been given these glorious theophanies. We, and I would assume that most of the people listening to this are probably not of Hebrew descent. I'm certainly not. I have no ancestry at all tied to the Middle East. And I think probably most people don't. And so we as, as, as Gentiles, descendants of the ancient heathen, have been given God. We've been given access to God. And we, just like the Hebrews, we have two ways to accept him. Either become like the Jews, cast away, rejecting him, seeing him, or like the Muslims, maybe viewing him as a great prophet and a great man. We can either be like the Jews and the Muslims, or we can be as true Christians, which St. Simeon was, to see him and say, receive him, into our, receive him into our arms, into our hearts, and attach ourselves to him and become members of his body. And that's what it means to receive Christ into your heart. What does that mean? That means that the heart of Christ beats within you. Well, then all the members become part of his body. You are part of his body. It doesn't mean that 
it doesn't mean that he just lives there, right there in the heart, and the rest of you is still you, but you got God within you, and you're special because of that. No, no, no. You disappear inside of him. He doesn't disappear inside of you. You become a member of the, this mystical body of Christ, which is, of course, the Holy Church. As St. Simeon did, taking the babe in his arms and prophesying that he shall be for the rising and falling of many in Israel. And then telling God, I can, I can go now. I have Christ. Or like the proud Pharisees say, you've done a wonderful job teaching this lad. He certainly seems to have a lot of good things to say. We like that. But we're going to go on doing things the way we've been doing them. Very impressive. Come back and see us sometime. And this goes back to those two classes of spectators that Bishop Sheen talks about around the cross. The spectators of indifference and the spectators of love. Well, the Pharisees, of course, become much more than indifferent. They become vicious and, mal and malicious. They become, uh, they, they become those who actually, they're, not, they're, they, they're participants in many ways. They're the ones that crucify him. But at this stage in the temple, they're merely indifferent. And we have a choice to be like the Pharisees or to be like St. Simeon. And, of course, St. Simeon, by accepting Christ, maintains the spirit of the true Israel, which the church is, Israel, and the false Israel falls away. The temple is destroyed. This house that the scribes and Pharisees derive their power from is destroyed. They go away. They're scattered to the wind. And the same thing will happen to all who view Christ merely as a man and refuse to receive him into their hearts and hold him in their arms as St. Simeon did and look upon him and say, mine eyes have received, have beheld the glory of thy salvation. And so it's my prayer that all of us receiving Christ will look upon him not merely as a matter of curiosity and great impressive knowledge and wisdom, not as a guru, but as our Savior, which he is. And like St. Simeon, upon our bed we may say, Lord, let us now thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen the glory of thy salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs>